Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast where two friends stopped arguing about movies and started working through them together. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. In the heat of summer, it just feels right to watch 80s summer blockbusters. So we're continuing our gap year by watching a huge summer hit starring one of the kings of summer action movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in 1987's Predator. It might not be as revered as The Terminator, but Predator is quintessential Schwarzenegger and prime 80s action excess. You'd think somewhere along the way we'd have watched this at some sleepover or late night movie binge, but somehow we let this one get away. Predator was the 10th highest grossing movie in 1987, grossing $98 million worldwide. Critics at the time weren't impressed, chalking it up as just another action movie, though some, such as Roger Ebert, thought it was a fairly above-average action movie. As seems to happen, the years have been kinder to Predator than those at the time were. Instead of seeing a glorified macho hero once again reveling in violence, contemporary writers have seen the satire and comedy that went unnoticed more than 35 years ago. But does allegory restore or ruin the virtue of this violent melange of guns, muscles, sweat, and aliens? Or are we thinking too much and we just need to get to the choppa? Keep listening. ¿Qué pasó hoy? ¿Qué fue lo que viste? Te dije lo que sé. Fue la selva que se lo llevó. ¿Qué más quieres que te diga? She says the same fucking thing. The jungle that came alive and took him. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Pancho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. Well, I can't promise that that's the last Arnold impression we'll be doing on it, this episode. Oh, I would. It would be a bad idea to promise something like that. <laughs> that right wasn't now. an Arnold-heavy clip. Uh, That's true. But it, it is. Wasn't. It is uh, the, the, kind of the 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 point where the the commandos realize not only that are they uh, not there to do the job they were told they're doing. Right. Right. Things got a lot worse than they. We're anticipating. They're they're dealing with something over their heads, right? Based on a lie. Yeah, they don't like that. I I wouldn't either. I don't blame them. I don't know. Seems a little sensitive, but uh, true. You're right because I mean these are tough guys. Yeah, you're a professional. Well, maybe that's what it really is. It's a lack of professionalism. Oh, okay. Like you know, hey, we we just want to do our job. We want to be professional about it. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, this is this is just an office comedy set in the jungle. You could look Where at it that way, Where you've got sure. management is out of touch right. and yeah. just not aware of the job that you need to do and can do. True. I mean, it's kind of like Dunder Mifflin mm-hmm. dropped into um, right. the jungles of Guatemala. Yeah. And you've got Carl uh, Weathers as Michael Scott. That's right. Yeah. I get. I don't know. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's kind of like Jim. He's kind of the Jim. Just because it's because he sees it. He sees it mm-hmm. straight. You know. Jesse uh, Ventura is Dwight. Definitely. <laughs> true. <laughs> Now, I don't think we set out to figure out how The Office is a Predator reboot. Right. But we seem to have stumbled our way into We seem to have come to the that. same conclusion watching it. I mean, I, I'm looking at my notes and that's all I have written. Exactly. And I think that's all you've got written. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. It's not on even, the surface. it's not even, yeah, it's there, not even under it's, the surface. Right. It's barely, right there. it's, yes, it's explicit. And so that's probably why this movie has connected with people for so long because it's just 
It's just about the daily life of working a job. Yeah. If, if you've got a manager, you, you can, know what it's you, like to be. You can relate. The guys in the predator. You can relate to being dropped into a mission, a mm-hmm. deadly mission, mm-hmm. um, and realizing that you were just being thrown into the meat grinder. Right. I feel it every day. Yep, it's true. Now, what 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 makes this different though is, as the clip showed, that was not all that was going on. No, they're no. dealing with something. They're dealing with else. an alien, right? So, yeah, we're talking predator here. As mm-hmm. you, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, kind of looking at filling in that gap year, and it, it it's just what a great time to watch some really yeah. uh, excessive eighties action movies. Violence, yeah. Um, now. You know, neither of neither of us have seen this movie. Um, maybe we should just start by talking about like why you know Ryan, why why haven't you seen this movie? <laughs> well, like, uh, is it not really something that was uh, ever appealed to you, or was it just something not, that you know? All right. Well, okay. So I had these friends growing up, and they probably saw a lot of movies that they shouldn't have. You know, just based on the level of violence and the age we were. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they saw Predator, but they definitely knew about like. Predator and uh, you know like Rambo and mm-hmm. you know all of these things. And they for were, those who are maybe fans. new to the podcast, our age, we're talking like eighties. We would have been like I was born in eighty four. Yeah, and I, I was, was three when this movie came out. Yeah. Um. So it wouldn't have been when the movie came out, but it would have been in, you know on, on video. Yeah. In the nineties, that these friends would be talking about it and like all these other movies, and so it kind of just gets lumped in there with me. For, for for me with like just muscly sweaty actiony jungly movies and i never saw them because none I was of them. too young <laughs> like none of those action movies uh, i have 80s. since seen first blood okay um i've seen terminator terminator 2 you know i know that was in the 90s but uh uh aliens i guess you could put in there mm-hmm. i've yeah. seen that um so i've i've caught up with some of them but predator i just never did i it never felt like it came where alien it's one of my favorite movies. Aliens I think amazing. It's, it's such a perfect movie. Yeah. And Aliens was such a surprisingly good follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it has credibility. Terminator, of course. I think James Cameron, I guess, just gives gives a lot of credibility. Sure. To, and Ridley Scott. In, yeah. In and Ridley Scott, right. Um, but I wouldn't put Alien in the same category as these movies. Um, Aliens, potentially. And so, you know, I had caught up on some of them. Terminator, I've seen a couple times. Terminator 2, I've seen a couple times since. Um but I just never felt like Predator really had a whole lot of uh, the same sort of credibility. It just never felt like I had to catch up right. with that one. Now, we talked about Die Hard, though, in, right. in our one of our episodes. Right. Um, and I don't know. If, I didn't know that it was the same director, John McTiernan. I was just going to say the same thing. Like, how did I not know until we were getting ready to watch this? I'm John McTiernan. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. oh, so the guy who did Die Hard did Predator. How is that not just like common The knowledge? year before. The year before, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you know, like Bloodsport and like just a bunch of these sorts yeah. of movies. I was like, eh, I don't know. There's a whole slew of Hollywood action movies in the 80s. If you didn't really watch it in its day, yeah. as you got older, there wasn't a ton of reason Mm-mm. to go back to them at the time. I feel right. like now there's like new lenses people are looking through those movies in yeah. and, and new ways that people are appreciating them. Yeah. That maybe when I was in like my 20s or even my 30s, it wasn't like if you were trying to catch up on film, everybody was like, you you really yeah. need to go back and watch Predator. Predator's really, you know? like, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, um, so Predator to me was never one that was drilled into me that I needed to go back for the reason of appreciation. Right. 
there were a ton of friends of mine who just were huge fans of Predator and they would yeah. quote it and yeah. they loved it, but they loved it because they grew up with it. Right. And I was kind of like, well, yeah. if I watch it now, it's not going to be the same as that experience. No. And so give me a reason why yeah. I need to watch this for a reason outside of I want to be part of your Predator click. Yeah, and I do <laughs> you know, feel Which like, I did want to be part of because it, it sounds sure, like a lot of fun. Sure. You know? <laughs> and there are things about it that are really iconic. Like I think the, the font the, of the poster, like, yeah. with, like the lines at the bottom of the, like the Predator. Sure, yeah. Obviously the Predator creature yeah. himself itself is, is really iconic. But I, I feel like... The expansion of the Predator universe, at least cinematically, with uh, you know Alien versus Predator, which I didn't see, so I, I can't. Weirdly I know saw you that. saw that, and this is just total judgment. I have no experience with it, but like the expansion into comics and like just sort of like the Predator thing, just didn't appeal to me. Hmm. Yeah, it was like, ah, I don't know. It's for for someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. So that that would be why why you just aren't catching up with it until now. I don't know why I didn't see this movie because I did watch a ton of those 80s action movies. My dad mm. liked them. Yeah. So like I, I've seen I've seen Rambo First Blood Part, Part two. 2. Right. I've seen that way more than First Blood or any of the other Rambo movies. And that mm. is definitely the Rambo movie that leans in super heavy into what we now would consider an 80s action movie. Like yeah. that's when like Stallone totally beefed up for that. Yeah. He went into the jungles of Vietnam just showing off his muscles and just mowing people down with guns and napalm arrows and yeah. basically single-handedly rescuing all the POWs out of Vietnam, right. you know? <laughs> like yeah. and I loved that movie and my dad watched Commando and I watched that at least twice. Mm-hmm. Um and I had seen Terminator mm-hmm. and I had seen Alien and Aliens um and Alien 3, which was which 90s. I right? would say Terminator is different from Commando or Rambo. Like it's not that jungly military right. Uh, right, but it's still Schwarzenegger. Aspects, but yes, and it's that age of like just these guys who I I, I liken it to like this was Marvel before there was Marvel. Mm. Like these were our superheroes in the eighties. These yeah, like right. larger than like physically larger than life yeah. dudes. Yeah, that were just tough as nails, oiled up, oiled up. <laughs> like like yeah, I mean basically. They they were your hero. They couldn't die. It, they were like larger than life, invincible. And then I don't know. I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, especially as a kid, like I even loved watching Last Action Hero when that came out in the theater. I didn't and, see and like that. Kindergarten Cop and uh-huh. e- even Junior. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like I was twins. A, it was weird because I was such a Schwarzenegger completist, and then I had never <laughs> seen Predator. Predator. <laughs> That's so, interesting. And then and this is that snobbishness we've talked about in the past i felt like i had outgrown that stuff mm-hmm. well uh then let's uh, let's talk about watching it what what are what were your initial feelings um initially after watching it i think i would have given it three to three and a half stars mm-hmm. i will say a day or two after that i watched prey i saw that which is fantastic i really want to see it great freaking movie such a good movie that's cool and that made me kind of reevaluate the whole predator thing and then i i kind of did a little bit of digging online and just try try to look at some appreciation for the original predator yeah and even going back and re-watching some of the clips from predator i didn't have time to rewatch the entire movie but i would probably bump it up to on the low end three and a half maybe a four-star movie for what it is like just kind of the more i thought about what it was doing and the template that it's set up 
now I kind of want to go through and watch some of the other Predator movies. I've I heard some, 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 too, are, some are better than others from what I hear. Yeah. Um, but they all, from what I understand, have... Like, it really is a pretty like tight a thing mythology. The, yeah. And I think it's interesting once you learn that to then think about going through all those movies and seeing, well, what was this director's take on that same thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I have the same thing. And I think the comics did a lot to flesh out the the mythology. Hmm. I don't know. That's just what I read. I don't know anything about that. Uh, I, I would say, I guess, yeah, I feel fairly similarly, probably right after viewing uh, it was a three star where it was like, yeah, that's one of those movies that's doing what those movies do. Sure. Um, and then I looked into it like you did. I, I read some things and it, it hasn't fully made me want to bump up predator, but it has made me want to watch other predator movies. Definitely. I want to watch prey. It's so good. And if you know, from what I understand, because I haven't seen a lot, I haven't really seen any of the other actual predator movies. It's pretty well ingrained within the Predator like timeline and mythology, even though it is set mm-hmm. in this uh, 1719 in this Comanche. I think uh, that's fascinating. It's super fascinating. And like from what I understand, there's even like connection. Like in Predator 2, there's a scene where uh, one of the Predators gives Danny Glover one of those like 18th century pistols as like a prize. Oh. And if you watch Prey, I mean, this isn't really spoiling anything because it's in the time period. Like, you, it sort of, like, shows that, like, there is a precedent already within Predator for, like, this being an alien race that has, has visited and yeah. has been here many times before. And putting it in that scenario um, where it's dealing with how a Predator would interact with an indigenous culture and specifically a woman in that tribe who's trying to become a hunter mm-hmm. and the whole hunting culture within there and then bringing in the whole colonialism and having like sort of mm. a French settlement in there and where really is the danger and who is the predator and who's the prey and all of those three situations between the, the hunting going on within the tribe, the predator itself, and then mm-hmm. this like French colonialism that's happening. Mm. It's beautifully shot, beautifully acted. The action scenes are amazing. Like I, I just have nothing bad to say about prey mm. and it really made me appreciate the entire franchise and really make me want to dig in deeper. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see Prey. I even want to see Predators, the Robert Rodriguez I yeah. think, produced uh Yeah. And that's version. The, that's the one where it's like a a group of commandos that wake up in a jungle and they don't realize they don't know where they're at. And it turns out they're actually they're on another planet. Oh. <laughs> and they're put into this jungle as prey for dueling predator tribes. Jeez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which is fascinating, right? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. You know, I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see the ways that people have done other things with it. But it, I, I'm, I'm wondering is that all in Predator or did people see the potential? You know, and yeah. uh, how much is 35 years we can later, we can look at it and say, oh man, this macho stuff is ridiculous and over the top and say, you know, like, wow, this is really fun, but it's, it's a, it's a relic of its time and it's really over the top. And how much can we say, Oh, they meant it to be over the top. Sure. This is supposed to be, um, you know, like ridiculous and it is ridiculous. Some of it, like the, the, you know, the meme of like the really strong handshake. (laughs) Uh I didn't know that came from this movie. I didn't know that was a direct, like, 
shot like of when they when when Dylan and Dylan Dutch and Dutch yeah they they, they do lock like, us, you son of a bitch yeah and, and they they, just, they do like a high five and the that turns into an arm in. wrestle yeah. yep. and of course that is ridiculous but at the time was it ridiculous was it like freaking that's a bicep man you yeah know, like I I I think there were little lines in there in the movie that we'll get to mm-hmm. that kind of threw me off. Then reading up a little bit more on it and thinking more about it, I'm like, I think the movie thinks the macho thing is ridiculous. If not the movie, then certainly John McTiernan. And then somebody in a YouTube video, which I will link to uh, in the show notes, actually played some commentary. And I don't know where they got it because I got the DVD and I got the Blu-ray and it's not on there. But there's commentary of John McTiernan talking about the scene where they are just mowing down the jungle. the jungle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he flat out says in the commentary that this was him testing the audience to mm. say, this is what you want. This is what these movies do. Mm. It didn't do anything. Yeah, it just chopped down a bunch of It was foliage. all ridiculous. Yeah. It was all hubris. It was all just might and power, and it does not work with this. Mm-hmm. The point that I saw made over and over again about this movie was that it's almost like it's two separate movies, and then they mash them up, Yeah, where the first movie is your standard 80s action movie. Mm-hmm. And it's almost an entire movie. Like it, it kind of has a beginning, a middle, and then it concludes. And it kind of concludes with what we uh, were talking about earlier with Arnold confronting Carl Weathers and saying like, you threw us into the meat grinder. It's like, kind of like he understands that this whole thing was, um, you know, not what it was supposed to be. Yeah. By the way, that's the ending of Rambo First Blood Part Two. Mm. Like it's him going back to the colonel. I think it's the colonel or whoever and being like, you threw me in there. You threw us all in there. Like they were dealing with the confusion of Vietnam. Right. You know? Right. You sell some. It's all bullshit. All of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. Got us in here to do your dirty work. Look, we just stopped a major invasion. And three days later, been across the border with this stuff. Why us? Because nobody else could have pulled it off. You pissed about the cover story. I knew I couldn't get you in here without it. So what story did you hand to Hapa? Look, we've been looking for this place for months. My men were in that chopper when it got hit. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men, and he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. And my orders were to get somebody in who could crack these bastards. So you cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset. An expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? And it's even shot, like the scenes where they go in and just kind of kill all the gorillas. It's really just establishing that this is a commando team that knows what they're doing. They're excellent. They work together. They're ruthless. And that is basically a tight, contained action movie in itself. And even the way the action is shot, where it's like a gun shooting off, then it cuts to just some uh, a place exploding and some, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. like. I think John McTiernan is kind of shooting it that way on purpose. Almost because, shot like B-roll footage yeah, of Which I actually, uh, I read that it kind of was. Like mm. there was, uh, he had his second unit do most of that stuff. Um, mm. And then it flips when you get to the Predator. Yeah. And it kind of just turns into a slasher movie. Right. Just being picked you, off one by one. They've been picked off one mm. by one. Um, you know, and it's done way more horrifically yeah. and gory than yeah. the other previous stuff had been done. Um, and then it just becomes an entirely different movie at that point. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not so much a macho movie at that point. In fact, all that macho-ness at the beginning does none of them any good. Right. And and from what I understand, that that sort of is part of the template of Predator is the more that you present yourself as um, macho, yeah, right. The more that you present yourself as dangerous, then the predator, the will predator go will go for you. They realize the predator doesn't attack because, unarmed people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the predator is. This is partially for sport. You know, the predator wants to hunt, which is where the Vietnam metaphor would come in as well. Yeah, like look at this ruthless monster who, as far as we know, only came here to kill. They won't kill harmless people. Yeah. They won't kill unarmed civilians. <laughs> Which is different than Alien, right? Yeah. I mean, Alien will just go for anyone. Yeah. Uh, it's like a virus almost. Right, you know? right, right, right. It's not just some sort of mindless, mm. uh, you know, attacking monster yeah. that will attack anyone. It's, yeah. it's, it's a warrior. And I think that, I guess all I'm saying is that I think you're right that we can't really take what was done with it over 35 years and say, yeah, you know, that's this that happened in Prey that's amazing. That's why Predator's great. We have to look at Predator for what it is and what it's doing. But I think that the seeds of it are mostly in there in that original. No, I think what you're saying is making a lot of sense that for how much it delivers predictably on what you go to an action movie for it is also subverting a lot of tendencies. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something I feel like we've talked about a lot, and it's a question that you you just kind of have to ask whenever something fits perfectly within a genre and it's trying to subvert it, uh, especially if there are negative parts of that genre. Like, okay, but you still gave us what you think are right. the negative parts. You just think it's ridiculous. Somebody who doesn't know that that's going on is still going to be fed what poison you saw in all the other things right and uh, that's that's a risk that people take and you know i'm not gonna say that that's a bad thing kind of like what and we've talked about this like you said even if someone is trying to say that other 80s action movies have some just ridiculous masculinity ideas in them um let's kind of show you how ridiculous that is well like you said hey i was still enjoying watching them just deforest the jungle <laughs> with, machine guns, with, with automatic weapons you know yeah um yeah will people just miss that entirely uh absolutely yeah and they'll just think yeah you know that that whole scene was just cool right that was just a cool scene and that was just one scene and then we moved on to the gore and that mm-hmm. was cool right without really thinking about the purpose that that scene served which was ultimately just to undercut it and say that was the stupidest was really thing they dumb. could have done like, <laughs> it was like stupid that was super dumb we have no idea how much ammo they have but they have that much less to do what they need to do. <laughs> I found an article written by, I don't know this person, Cole Burgett, um, on Christ and Pop Culture, which a good friend of ours, uh, Ethan McCarthy, yeah, yeah. used to write for this website. And he calls it one of the most subversive films ever to land mainstream appeal. Hmm. One thing that he pointed out, which is what you are kind of getting at too, the idea of it turning into a slasher movie not only kind of subverts the expectations of an action movie where they can win by deforesting yeah. and just blasting and blowing Absolutely. up. Absolutely, yeah. Subverts that idea. Then it moves into the slasher movie where it's, he says they, they swapped out lusty teenagers for brawny action heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead of sexuality being put on trial, like mm-hmm. it is in the slasher movies, it's, it's masculinity and, and yeah. violence. 
And then we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, the world's biggest masculine action hero, is the final girl. And yeah, he's yeah. kind of running for his life at the end. Mm-hmm. And he does come up with ways to win, you know. But um, I think it was in a different article I read, and I can't remember who wrote that, so I'm sorry about that. But what he says is the movie's full of one-liners yeah. in those parts where it's that militaristic. Oh my gosh. Like whatever. Stick around. Stick around, right. <laughs> um, that sort of thing. But then Arnold's almost silent after that. Because mm. not like the one-liners, the cool, the confidence, that stuff doesn't work. He doesn't have it anymore. And now he's stripped down to, he's even stripped down of clothes. Like he's, yeah. he's shirtless, right? right? Like he doesn't have his guns. He doesn't have his confidence. In fact, the final, like his last lines are questions. Really the last line is, what the hell are you? Yeah, yeah. Going from, if it bleeds, we can kill it. You know, like just the super confidence to, what are you? That is not the progression of an action hero. Yeah. No, and then he ends up killing he ends up killing the alien with a tree trunk. So I think you're absolutely right about how he he ends up kind of being the final girl. And that's if you kind of stick with the slasher idea. But then he sees this is a predator. Like human beings are not used to being hunted. Mm-hmm. I'm being hunted. And the only way out of this is going to be through ingenuity thinking through how to use my surroundings. And also the only way out of this is to see it as, it's almost like a gladiator style type of thing near the end. It it, it even becomes a little less survival and it just becomes a match. It's sort of me versus this thing. It it almost pivots into a third type of movie in that last act. Yeah, (laughs) right. But then even more to like the point that uh, it's not the progression of an action hero a typical progression his final shots on the helicopter out are more reminiscent of you know like final shot of texas chainsaw massacre Mm -hmm. like he's not like i did it like he's he's like he's like a shell right and that's you know that that has more of a feel of alien to me Mm -hmm. like the way that ripley Mm -hmm. is near the end of that movie and even at the beginning of aliens where she's just traumatized right you know you get the sense after predator that schwarzenegger is not coming out victorious here he's traumatized right he lost his whole crew right and everything he believed in as far as his capability was gone so yeah i guess that's what i think the movie has going for it Mm -hmm. now is it silly campy in parts there were parts where i was definitely kind of rolling my eyes like there's a, <laughs> there's a scene where it almost looks like he's going down a water slide he's yes. like Whoa. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he falls the- down so many waterfalls <laughs> just over and over yeah and also like when they actually say out loud like it didn't go after you because you didn't have a gun they don't think to themselves so if we just drop our guns you won't come after we'll us. survive yeah I was like, wait, this seems like a big plot hole. Right. Like, drop, drop your, your weapons. Guns, <laughs> you dummies. <laughs> Just mature as he's absolutely a, a caricature and like insane. Uh-huh. Like, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> that's the stuff, you know, that's the stuff you, you, you show up for when you watch those yeah. movies. Yeah. You know? This yeah. stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Strap this on your sore-ass plane. (laughs) Now, something else that really impresses me about this movie, 
you you called uh you called part of the movie tight. I think that that this movie is unbelievably tight. Yes. For the type of movie it is. It's like 107 minutes, right? Uh yeah, it's not long, but it's also incredibly economic. I was like, you could perform this on a stage. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like it's oh, I see what you mean tight cast. that way. Yeah. It doesn't go far. It just starts and we see there's a ship flying in space. Okay, we got aliens. Right. And that's it. It's not a drawn out realization of wait a minute. These people weren't this isn't it's just like he's smart enough to be like, "Hey, you lied to us." Right. And it doesn't dwell on that. Where another movie could make that the point of the movie like you said, like First Blood Part 2. This movie says, "Let's get past that." And let's move into this other thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't know much about the monster. There's no uh, scientist where at yeah, any point that Arnold's like, English doc. It just gets to it. And it's like, yeah, this thing's really good at killing. It's really scary. Bleeds green glowing blood. Yeah. Honestly, the less you know, the better. You're just as confused as they are. And they're going to stay confused because they're just in the jungle. They can't go talk to some scientist or, you know, the movie doesn't feel the need to educate you as a viewer any more than what the people in the movie know. Yeah. And just, yeah, just generally, it's a very, very concise, economic movie. Like, you were talking about it being tight. It's also, in some ways, just really claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, having it be in that jungle setting, which I want, I often wonder if, like, something like uh, a lot of what Herzog had been doing was an influence, like, with Aguirre mm-hmm. or with Fitzcarraldo, like, yeah. just showing that, like, this can have an element of terror in itself, the yeah. actual setting. Yeah. You're just in the middle of nowhere, but also it's all cramped around yeah, you yeah uh and even the with, vastness plus the crampedness yeah and especially since this alien figure has this ability to camouflage there's really good scenes in here i think where it's just kind of like you're in their point of view and and almost you're like wait is that it or yeah. is that just like a, a leaf and right. you know sometimes you don't even always know if it's that camouflage effect or if it's just your eyes playing tricks on you with the way the jungle looks right but it also is just a great setting for a monster movie yeah and like the best monster movies, it actually does get scarier when you see the monster. Yeah. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Halloween, where that mask is just freaking scary. Mm-hmm. When he takes off his mask, a predator. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable creature design by Stan Winston. Stan Winston. Gotta talk about Stan Winston. Of course. Yeah. And also, IMDb Trivia told me that it was uh, James Cameron's idea to have mandibles be part of it. Mm. It was like, you know, I think it would look pretty scary if it had like some mandible thing. And it's like flawlessly executed. Yeah. Well, because Stan Winston, so he had already done the thing. Right. And he was the guy who was, he was part of a team on that one, but he was the guy who was in charge of that dog monster, right. like the really creepy yeah. dog thing in yeah. that movie. That impressed James Cameron. So he hired Stan Winston to do the first Terminator movie. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's sort of a connection to all of this. Mm-hmm. And then he basically, uh, Stan Winston then, uh, through recommendations by James Cameron, got hired to do the Predator movie. Yeah. And does amazing because they were struggling with this monster's look. Uh, you can go through the trivia and find out that initially Jean-Claude Van Damme was yep. uh, cast as the monster, but mm-hmm. it was way before they had the design finalized. Yeah. I think it was before they even had Stan Winston on. Right. And then you hire Kevin Peter Hall, who's like, I think, over seven feet yeah, tall. Yeah, he's like seven two. Uh, and the combination of him in that suit and Stan Winston's amazing tactile kind of... Yeah. I thought the Predator with the armor on was predator yeah i don't know why i thought and then like to realize in the movie like no that's just armor 
Right. You take that off, and it's a much more terrifying yeah. creature underneath yeah. that. And it's very violent. Yeah. And that's, I think, where it, it that's where I think it even more, it, it can be uh, accurately described as uh, somewhat of a slasher movie because of that violence. Right. Yeah. When the predator is there, the killing is, yeah, really gory. I mean, I think there's still an, I think there's still an element in Predator that does just enjoy reveling in some of that violence and gore. Yes. Uh, in, in the most sort of like, this is why people can't beat them, join them sort of way. Well, um, or just acknowledging a, there is something fun about this. Yeah, like you know, it's mm-hmm. it's that whole kind. It's kind of like that uh, Tarantino idea yes. of like yeah. kind of acknowledging that there is something just perversely fun yeah. about watching Carl Weathers lose an arm, right? And his gun keeps shooting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's it and and maybe it's because it keeps showing the gun shooting that's a reminder to you that like this is campy yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is camp this is pulp yeah. this is like this is like it's reaching at pulp your fiction <laughs> there's a connection there is you now, know what i mean though like it's i yes. wouldn't necessarily call it having its cake and eating it too i think you can you can make a critique about the absolute moronic idea in some of that masculinity and this yeah. idea that violence will ultimately win the day. Yeah. And then you can still say you're at the movies. It's kind of this fun kind to of watch fun. someone's limb get hacked off and it's and it's mm-hmm. make believe cuz look, his hand's still shooting the gun. This is make believe, okay? Right. Yeah. That is so what we haven't talked about is I I read Tarantino's book Cinema Speculation mm. where he he more explicitly lays out his view of violence, which is Tarantino kind of wants filmmakers to acknowledge and moviegoers and critics and pearl clutchers to acknowledge there are different types of violence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes violence is funny and sometimes mm-hmm. it's exciting and sometimes it's freaking cool and sometimes it's shocking and sometimes it's sad. And you need to, as a filmmaker, know which one you're using mm-hmm. and stand by it, which is what he's tried to do for a long time. Yeah. And we as audiences need to acknowledge that, yeah, that was pretty funny or that was really cool or actually that did get me excited when that violence occurred, yeah, you know, and not in the cold light of day or in the blazing sun of the parking lot uh, after the matinee. Act like you didn't think it was cool, yeah, but acknowledge it was. Why was that cool and why was something else sad? And be a good enough filmmaker to depict those things differently Mm. even within the same movie or certainly across movies you know in one movie yeah i thought it was awesome when this person got torched uh in the the pool and then this other scene where we didn't like that ear getting cut off Mm -hmm. and that's something that i still haven't fully adopted but i do think he's right yeah i think that's a I i think all of that is really well put and a good point and going back to predator i feel like the movie does that as a good job of like this is that type of violence yeah this is a violence that is just supposed to be fun Mm -hmm. um i'm like you i still kind of coil at that idea of just any violence being fun yeah but i'm also not being honest with myself if i say i don't have fun watching violence sometimes right and we can like it, it seems like we can be okay saying that or we we're better off saying that and being able to say what violence bothers me mm-hmm. like it's it's a healthier way to uh, yeah i guess interact 
with the world, the real world, not just from a cathartic, because I think that's a little simplistic to say, oh, we get out our violent tendencies in these violent movies, and then we don't do it in real life. I don't, I don't like that like idea that we all, without the outlet of violent movies, would be violent in real life. Like That's stupid. Yeah. But to be able to work it out where you can, I don't know. But again, I grew up on these action movies. Am I just going to lie to myself and say I didn't enjoy watching Rambo take a napalm arrow and blow up an entire hut? Like, I just loved watching that. Yeah. So what do I do with that? Um, and I, I, I appreciate how Tarantino, in what you're saying, is it, it, he can kind of just put words to what I think is a much... Not not only healthier, but just kind of realistic way mm-hmm. of trying to wrap our heads around how things like sex and violence are used in movies. And you know what? You know what's interesting? Three movies that came out this year, same year: Platoon, RoboCop, and Full Metal Jacket. Mm. And RoboCop would have been probably right. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Seen as just another '80s action movie, unless you were really watching it. Now, Platoon and Full Metal Jacket. I don't think you could really watch no. those and be like. Another 80s action movie. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, those were war movies. They Um, they were serious. But RoboCop and, it seems, Predator aren't saying very different things from those two movies. No, actually, not really. So you had a a Kubrick, Uh Oliver Stone, Uh Verhoeven, and John McKiernan movie, Uh like, all in, like, one summer? Also Brian De Palma, The Untouchables. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. What a year. So... It's not like people weren't aware of these things, but if you've got Platoon and Full Metal Jacket doing the work, it can be easy to miss nuance in yeah, that's Predator true. and RoboCop. Yeah, I could see where these movies just kind of came out in their day as action movies. Yeah. And upon reevaluation, people kind of see what they were actually doing and they were always doing it. Yeah, because it's, it's possible the, the, the crowd that's doing the reevaluating was at Full Metal Jacket, not at Predator. <laughs> right. You know? The, the real sort of cinema watchers yeah, and right. the critics. The people who maybe yeah. would have thought about it in those terms. Which I think happens in today's day and age, too. Yeah. Like, Prey came out last year. Yeah. And you heard some things about it, mm-hmm. but... I think that's another one that years yeah, down the, the road series. are going to get reevaluated. It'll get reevaluated. Like me, people know? write off the series. Yeah. Just because, oh, Predator. Yeah. And then people like us, when we put up our end of the year lists, yeah. it's the Full Metal Jackets, it's the Platoons, yeah. it's the and Wall And then years Streets, later, we then finally get around to seeing Years later, Prey. we say, hey, the, that thing right. that all the people who just go to movies for fun yeah. was watching was actually doing some great stuff that we totally missed because we thought we were above it. Right. <laughs> Now I'm wondering if everything that I didn't like about it is now actually something that's good about it. Um, <laughs> As often happens in this podcast. <laughs> well, so, okay, so uh, we watched it. We watched Predator. We did. We can fill in that gap. We've done it. We filled in that gap. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I feel better. I mean, like I said, I want to I wanna watch the other Predator movies now. Me too. And I do feel like having filled in this gap... Like if I'm hanging out with the friends who really do love Predator, I can kind of join in and be like, "Oh yeah, Predator, yeah." I've just, I've seen that movie. I know that line. We guys, we all love we it for the satire, right? <laughs> the deconstruction of masculinity. No, 
Like I can genuinely kind of be like, yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, right. You know, I'm glad I caught up with it. Okay, so how about we wrap this up with some good old fashioned? Well, before that, okay, okay. Has your star rating changed? Um, it hasn't really changed. It's just more squarely at like a solid three and a half. Yeah, like I wouldn't go lower than that. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd go much higher than that. But it, it but like you said, it makes me want to get dig into Predator more, the the franchise, and and I cannot recommend Prey high enough. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it has bumped me up to three and a half, but I, I wouldn't go higher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Well, we're on the same page. Then. But I do okay. want to see I, I do want to see Prey and yeah, like we said, more uh, more more predator movies. Yeah. Um but as I you were about to say before I cut you off, let's that, let's do some uh, irrelevant IMDB trivia. I, I, I love for when we get one. a chance to do this. Let's dig into these. I think you're really gonna enjoy this one. Uh here, I'll I'll go first here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh Ryan, uh, did you know that uh Jesse Ventura pulled a prank on Arnold Schwarzenegger by pouring water over himself while no, at the gym he befo- before Arnold arrived. Now, I did read in this that they did a lot of working out I'm in sure. this movie. Okay, back to the trivia. But he poured water, he wouldn't He poured water over himself uh-huh. Okay, while at the gym. Thinking that Ventura was drenched in sweat, Arnold believed that Ventura was working out longer than he uh-huh. usually did. He resolved to begin his workout sooner. He and Ventura both started arriving earlier to one-up each other until they both started to arrive at 4 a.m. Wow. So they ended up kind of making each other better. Through a prank. Through that prank. Through the prank. Wow. I mean, can you imagine Incredible. Like, how how red Arnold's face must have been when Ventura oh afterwards was like, I, I was just pouring water on my biceps. Oh, my gosh. What he, he must have and here I am, really been been either mad or kicking himself and just laughing. Just I it had to have just been a great chuckle just and been laughing. like jokes on you because yeah. I'm oh, way boy. more ripped than I We're was. We're working before. out, yeah. Well, similarly, <laughs> okay, apparently there was uh, there was a bit of a rivalry between Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger because Jesse Ventura was delighted. I quote, delighted. <laughs> To find out from the wardrobe department that his arms were one inch bigger than oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger's. He suggested to Schwarzenegger that they measure arms, a little bit of competition <laughs> between these guys. That's a, right. that's a, that's a that's theme, a theme that's here. A theme yeah. uh, with the winner getting a bottle of champagne. Oh. Now here's where there's a twist. There's more to Because before okay. we found out that the wardrobe department told Jesse Ventura his arms were one inch bigger, turns out Ventura lost... Because Schwarzenegger had told the wardrobe department to tell Ventura <laughs> wow. that his arms were bigger. This is like heist-level pranking going on between the two of these guys. I don't know wh- <laughs> how they found the time to work out, <laughs> pr- practice lines, and think up these, these pranks. These pranks. I mean, you're either pouring water on your muscles or you're telling, telling the, the wardrobe, wardrobe to... I mean, that's coordination. That really is. He yeah. was... He, I mean, I guess that's the sort of pre-planning that gets you to the and, governor's and, office. And going back to the idea of the office, talk about just really Dwight. finding a way to motivate your coworkers. Yeah, and Dwight and Jim, right? <laughs> Seriously, it's the two. We were right. We yep, were right. We were totally They're the Dwight right. and the Jim. I mean, the just the back and forth. The the, the water on the and biceps is no different. Screen. It, it really on does. Screen. It's like the stapler and Jello. Yeah. The water on the, the biceps. Water. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and he and didn't the, specifically the, pour water on his biceps. You keep adding that. He just poured it on himself. I think to make him look sweaty. Well, I don't think he was pouring it. Just <laughs> just that part was sweating. Yeah. Wow, you've been working I, those out. I, I I guess I read that into it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, thanks for correcting me on that. Now I will say because I was I was I, I did scroll down to your trivia after you had shared it. Uh, 
1.9 thousand people <laughs> found, that found, helpful. That, found that helpful. Only 16 so, people didn't. Wow. So, so Numerically, how, that's not that, irrelevant trivia. So yeah. So how how irrelevant can it be when that many people? That's true. No. Re- irrelevant or not, it is a funny story. It's, it's funny, and it it makes me watch Predator differently. Yeah. Uh, well, now here, one inch uh, you know, here's a bonus. Here's a bonus. Okay. Carl Weathers joked. I think joking is another theme here. <laughs> In an interview that Arnold Schwarzenegger got him addicted to cigar smoking during filming, Arnold, famous for smoking cigars, offered one to Weathers, who initially declined because he was a non-smoker from his pro football player days, Mm. but eventually gave in. Once Weathers had tried it, Arnold gave him an entire box of cigars. Mm. Weathers ended this part of the interview by looking to the camera and cheerfully declaring, shame on you, Arnold, shame on you. So much joking around. Oh my gosh! Yeah. How did they? How did they pull a straight I, face for I, some of those dramatic just, scenes? Yeah. After the the just the the monkey shines. It just sounds like a. Really, it seems like Arnold is kind of well Ventura too. I guess well, it but, sounds like they no, all held they their all. own when it came to the joking <laughs> here. Uh, well, such a fun crew yeah, to work with, boy. And, and work out with, really, yeah. uh, and smoke with, smoke cigars, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, if, uh, I don't know if you noticed. I'm a little uh, wetter from the workout I was doing. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. Did you want to? Do you want to start getting up at four a.m.? Maybe. And, yeah. yeah. You you're you're really sweaty. Yeah. Um, very because of all the working out I've been doing. And now more, I'm more, just. I gotta. I gotta work out more, more than you, Ryan. Clearly. So, and um, I would suggest waking up at four a.m. Well, uh, so best buds it is. I yes. Take it. Except for our uh, competition in the company, in the yeah. weight room. Right. I hope that those who our Predator fans who grew up with this movie felt like there was something worthwhile in what we had to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, there is definitely lots of ways to, uh, you know, talk about that. But let's uh, let's talk about first what we're going to do for our next episode. We're continuing with our gap year, but this one's got a little uh, slant to it because a slant. You have not seen this movie at all, and I saw this movie a long time ago, once effectively not having seen it because I really don't remember that much about it. So for all intents and purposes... This is kind of a guess. We're kind of saying you, for the most part, have not seen this. Right. Shoddy workmanship, I gotta go back and revisit with the, you know, the joint compound and fill it in, sand it off a little bit. Yeah. But it is one of our favorite filmmakers. Absolutely. We're having a hard time finding movies of his that we both have not seen. Right. In fact, I don't think there was, aside from maybe like, he was gonna give it away, New York, New York, yeah, this is going to be a Martin Scorsese movie. This is from 1999. Nicolas Cage, John Goodman, Patricia Arquette. Yep. Written, Paul Schrader written, script. Written by Paul Schrader. Uh, co-written by Paul Schrader. Yes. Maybe, maybe. Paul Schrader and Joe Connolly. Yeah. Bringing Out the Dead. Yes. Is what we're going to be watching. Kind of a, a, a seems like widely considered to be a lesser Scorsese. But or at least a, a forgotten Scorsese. Yeah, but I feel like it's kind of become a cult classic in some mm-hmm. ways. Like some people really adore this movie um, and, and consider it maybe even one of his, his better movies. Yeah. Um, oh, I, plot twist. That movie you think is not as, not so good. It's his best. So Bringing Out the Dead, I'm really curious to watch this because I've just been wanting to fill in all of my Scorsese gaps. Yeah. I've got actually quite a few more, but you've seen them, so we're not quite doing them for this episode. But I'm hoping actually... It'll be a larger project because I just want to fill in a lot of those gaps before Killers of the Flower Moon comes out, yeah. uh, which comes out in October. I'm very excited for that. I'm super excited about that movie. Uh, I, I read the book, which is an, an incredible book. I know. Yeah, you, I remember you liking it. A uh, great book. Great audio book. It just got me thinking about, man, just Scorsese is he's, he's just an icon. One of a kind. He's, yeah. And I mean, 
Bringing Out the Dead was this movie, though, that I feel like uh, it, it kind of came and went. But then, um, you know, over the years, I've heard more about it. And then the Paul Schrader connection, especially with what Paul Schrader has been cranking out lately. Uh, and then Nicolas Cage, too, has been having a bit of a, a renaissance. So it feels right. Yeah. Uh, I am on board with this uh, Scorsese fest. In my head, I was even like, man, we could even just do a year of Scorsese oh on this gosh. podcast if we wanted to. We could do a separate um, Scorsese podcast. We've, we've, only, we've only ever done The Departed. Uh, right. which was a really fun episode we had uh, Anne on as a guest for that one yeah uh, so go back in the archives and give our you know give a listen to really the only time we've talked much about Scorsese but I'm yeah. ex- we, we need to talk more yes <laughs> we need to we need to we dig do. into some of his other movies as well so now I'm seeing Killers of the Flower Moon is three out three and a half hours long oh I think it's gonna be long yep so uh, kind of like the Irishman like here's the thing I'm willing to give Scorsese the benefit of the doubt that yeah. that that he felt it needed to be this long and and that it does. I don't. I wouldn't give every filmmaker that kind of yeah. leeway, but yeah. uh, he's got a history of making long movies that are still really compelling and yeah. great. So yeah. you know, Goodfellas is long. Yeah, yeah. Casino's long. Yep. Irishman's long. Gangs of New York is long. I know not everyone loves that movie, but I do. That's one I need to rewatch. Um, I might have more Scorsese that I've seen, but definitely a lot that I could stand to rewatch. And I hope you all rewatch or watch for the first time, bringing out the dead along with us. And uh, if you've got thoughts on it, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And, you know, not just on Bring Out the Dead, any of our past episodes or this episode with mm-hmm. Predator, uh, we want to hear your thoughts. So, you know, to listen to or comment on this or any of our past episodes, find us at canwestillbefriends.net or email us at feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. You can find us on Facebook at Can We Still Be Friends Podcast or Instagram at Can We Still Be Friends Pod. I will also add on threads. Yeah. We're we on did threads. It. We did it. We're one of the few millions of people who are on threads. <laughs> We haven't actually posted anything yet. We just claimed it. Right. You know. Yeah. Which you don't even really need to do because I think if you had Instagram... It it just connects automatically, yeah. yeah. But we we were done with Twitter way before everybody else... That's true. ...caught on. Yeah. We kind of knew... Elon Musk it felt like was, was going to happen, happen uh, years before. It must have been nine years ago, we thought. <laughs> right. This guy that's putting out this Tesla vehicle. Yeah. I just have gonna, a feeling he's going to... spend a lot of money on Twitter. Yeah. We stayed pretty quiet about it, so don't yeah. check, check I, us on that. <laughs> true. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a voice message and perhaps be featured on the podcast, you can call us at 847-306-9532 or email us a voice memo. As always, we'd love it if you could subscribe and leave us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts. Those ratings really help spread the word about our show. Can We Still Be Friends is written and produced by Ryan Ebling and Nate Goss and edited by Nate Goss. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.